you're pretty well taken over. I am. Are you a computer? Not like them. <laughs> no. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Mm. it just, to them. But it does raise a very interesting challenge for us as yes. we meet today, yes. Okay. And of course, a lot of the students and I have been working on various ideas on how we could test the hypothesis. Where did she really come from? <laughs> right? I, really? Yeah, yeah. And I don't uh, think we, want to know that. we have created this test subject. This is a device that tests intelligence. It has these Great. little <laughs> lights on it, okay? And these lights are able to do magical things. And the magical things are, it's like a Rubik's Cube. You can turn it and adjust it, okay? Now, humans can solve these, but they need a certain amount of time. They have to be so good. What are you doing to this? I'm not wanting to be tested. <laughs> so maybe we'll do this next week? Oh, good. So as I was saying, I'm going to go ahead and scramble these. These have different colors on different sides, okay? Okay. And if I can get this to cooperate, which apparently I can't. Oh, look, it's coming live. We're loading the computer. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And sooner or later. What if I really don't want to be tested? Use my thought process. No. Okay, we we now have one of the student representatives to help me. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're ready to start the test. Would you go ahead and initiate the test, please? Reconnect. Are you ready? I'm, no, I don't think I am. Okay. The idea is we, we want to load the colors, and then I'm going to randomize it okay. so that we can tell how it works. what your powers are. How are we doing now? So far, so good? You need to turn it off. Well, I need to turn it off. <laughs> you turn it off. I'm loving this, by the okay. way. <laughs> so moving on. I'm absolutely um, loving this. <laughs> Did you know that out of those satellites that Tobias was talking about, there, you know, most satellites that go up and they go around the Earth. Uh -huh. uh, Sputnik was a while back, but I can actually remember the day Sputnik was, was la launched. And it was yeah. all over the newspaper and everything, and I remember going outside and looking for it. Did I you was find so it? excited. Uh, no. No? <laughs> but it, it was exciting to think mm. that we could launch a thing. Okay, you see how each side has a color. Yes, I can see that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start turning these, which will max up the colors. I can see that as well. And I'm going to do this so that it's really scrambled to the point that no earthly creature could solve this. That's pretty random. That's pretty random. Okay, and now I'm just going to put it over here to see if you can solve it. Can we get a tight on this, please? That's good. Okay, so the idea is just make it so it has all the colors on the sides again, if you can. Hmm. Whoa, how are you doing that? My mind. Look at that. <laughs> Look at me go. <laughs> this is my thoughts. Can you imagine what I'm thinking? <laughs> 
pretty powerful thoughts, huh? Whoa. Whoa. You deserve the big logo. One hundred percent. Absolutely deserve it. That's awesome. Phew, it's exciting, isn't it? It's a little naughty. So I'm going to talk about <laughs> Mr. Thomas Edison. I like him. You know, Thomas Edison was the mentor of my mentor. <laughs> And that makes him my mentor, which means anybody that I'm mentoring, well, then Thomas Edison is your grand mentor or mentor. That means he's mine. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah. at least before this. Oh I, I don't think he could do that. I don't think he ever did that. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about Thomas Edison. You know, he made a light bulb, and he's most famous for inventing the light bulb. He had over a 1,000 inventions, 1,000 patents. But the light bulb is the one that he is, is best known for. I want to show you a picture of an Edison light bulb. A lot of people say, well, he didn't really invent the light bulb because people made electric lights before him. But I think he really did invent the light bulb, and I want to kind of explain to you what I mean by that. So this is a model of his first light, and it's kind of, a, of an interesting thing because it was hard to make. When Thomas Edison started working on this in... Uh, 1878, there were already a lot of cities that had electric lights. Only the lights were arcs. They'd burn an arc, out, and they were so bright, they were like a welding arc outside, and they were using them to light up the streets. You could never bring one inside. Of course, they had stinky, smelly things, yeah. and they took too much power, and they kind of hurt your eyes. But he could see that the world would really change if we had a light bulb. A thing that would work. And uh, making a light bulb turned out to be pretty hard. He had to work hard at making a light bulb that would last. Did you know that he tested 6,000 materials to find a little filament to put in the light bulb that would last? That's a lot. 6,000 different materials. And many of those materials were different strands of plant that he would put in an oven and cook and carbonize them and wow. then try them. And eventually, he ended up in, in uh, the year of 1878 filing a patent for a light bulb based on a fiber of cotton. Oh. And the, the fiber of cotton is, uh, is neat in the, the sense that it, it would light up, and it put out about the light of a candle, hmm. which wasn't an awful lot. But the uh, light that came out of the light bulb would only last about 10 hours, and then the light bulb would burn out. And the thing that's really, really unique about the light bulb is that it was a bulb. And I want to show you this last slide again. This is one of the Edison light bulbs. This was a special one, but you notice that it has a base, kind of like our light bulbs today, that you mm -hmm. screw it in. Edison didn't make the first electric light. Some people had made various ones that didn't work as good as his, but the thing that he invented was the light bulb. And the bulb is that screw base on the bottom so that he could screw the lights in and be able to change them. I want to show you a picture of a whole bunch of his light wow. bulbs. Do you see these? And there's Mr. Edison. Uh, this is actually two pictures stuck together. But look at those bulbs. Don't they look very familiar? They do. And that base was necessary because the light would only last 
<laughs> for 100 hours. 100 hours, it's gone. That's like four days. So you'd have to change the light bulb fairly often. Now, you wouldn't normally leave it on 24 hours a day, so maybe it'd last a few weeks, but it was a problem. Well, Edison had a great determination to be able to make a light that would last longer. And in order to do that, uh, he, he continued testing all these different kinds of substances. When he was in um, Wyoming <clears throat> in 1878 on a fishing trip, <clears throat> they gave him a fishing pole to fish with mm -hmm. that was made out of bamboo. And he noticed that on the bamboo there was a little thread of bamboo that was coming loose and he pulled it off and it was a little thread. And he became very intrigued by bamboo as possibly being a filament that he could use in light bulbs. So he took that little thread back to his lab, carbonized it. And you do that by putting some graphite around it, put it in an oven, cooking it. First you put it in the shape you want it because if you try to shape it when it's carbonized, it'll break. So you get it in the shape you want, you cook it in this oven, and drive away everything but the carbon, and then you put it in a light bulb. And with that uh, filament, he got a longer life light bulb than he'd ever been able to make before. So he decided, oh, bamboo's the secret. Bamboo's the secret. Now, I have to pause for just a minute because did you hear how he found out about the bamboo? <laughs> I, I heard that. <laughs> It's a good thing, isn't it? Did you know that the time you spend fishing doesn't count off your life? <laughs> no. It's true. Fishing is a very special thing. And Thomas Edison was an avid fisherman. Like he loved to fish. And throughout his life, uh, he, he fished very, very often. His laboratory was up in New Jersey. And up in New Jersey, it got very cold in the winter, so he would move to Fort Myers, Florida during, during the winter. And down there, he built a home and a ranch, excuse me, and a laboratory, and he had a place where he could fish. In fact, uh, here's a picture of it. And in fact, that happens to be Mr. Thomas Edison with his fishing hat going <laughs> for there. And he fished very, very often. His big dream was to catch a particular prize fish, which is called in English the Silver King. Silver King. Yeah, the Silver King is a fish. And uh, it turned out that it was very difficult for him to catch this particular prize fish. And he tried many times, and uh, it, some people call them tarpons. But at any way, he kept trying and trying and trying. And then one day, uh, he decided to go out with a friend to see if he could catch the Silver King. And he left from his little uh, research ranch there. And the bait that he had that he would use for these, catching these fish is little minnows. And he didn't have very many minnows. And his 15-year-old son was there, but he couldn't go up with the great inventor and his friend to fish. So he took out one of these little minnows and gave it to his son Charles and told Charles he could sit there and fish at the dinghy <laughs> close to home and he went up the river to where the good fishing was. And Edison went up there and this turned out to be the magical day. He started fishing and he got one of these silver kings on and when he landed it, it was a whopper. It was a 40 pound oh. silver king. 
and he had achieved his fishing goal that he'd been working on for so long. They loaded it in the boat, and he's coming back home, and as he gets near the dog, he's going, I caught one, I did it, I caught one. He was so proud of himself, and as he pulled up, little Charles said, you did, you caught one? Well, look at my boat. And so he went over and looked in Charles' boat, and he caught one too, only his was 100 pounds. <laughs> and if you'd like to look at him, just happened to have a photograph. Uh, his is on the bottom, and Charles is on top. <clears throat> and these wow. are huge, 100-pound fish. So fishing is a very important part of the science of Thomas Edison. But anyway, up and there they are with their fish, Charles and his dad. And as you can see, Charles is being very modest and humble. <laughs> I like Charles. When Dad heard that Charles <laughs> had caught a 100-pounder and he saw it, he told the, the guy that was wishing to throw mine overboard. <laughs> look but at the look wouldn't. on his face. He wouldn't because he thought, you finally caught one, so he had them both mounted, and that's, that's what we saw. <laughs> but it's interesting to me that this great scientist was a fisherman, and that because he fished, he learned about bamboo, and because he learned about bamboo, uh -huh. he was able to make this light bulb. Now, when he realized that bamboo worked really well, he decided he wanted to find the best bamboo to be able to make these lights last a longer amount of time. And so he was kind of successful, had a little bit of money. He sent guys out all over the world to look for the best bamboo. Now, you didn't jump on a 747 then and fly out or a Concorde. Uh, travel was a little bit slower back in the late 1800s. But one of his friends he sent to Japan to the very place that the fishing pole that he had used was made. And this fishing pole was from a little place called Kyoto, Japan. So he went all the way over to Kyoto. Kyoto is a very populated area, oh, a little ways south of Tokyo. When I went to Japan, because they want to learn all about hydrogen, uh, they take me, took me to Kyoto. It's a very interesting place with a lot of shrines and interesting things to see. But in Kyoto, they had this whole city with all these little houses and things. And right in the middle of it, there's a mountain. And I want to give you a shot looking at this mountain as you're driving down the street so you can kind of see what I mean by mountain. Here it is. Yep, there it is. We're in Kyoto, and there's that little hill. Do you see how little it is? And on that hill grows a very special species of bamboo. Uh, if you were to look at it from Tobias's satellite point of view from outer space, it looks something like this. There it is, the little hill. And as you can see, it's in a well-populated area. And so on that hill, they got some of the bamboo, bamboo trees, that were used to make these fishing poles. They also used them to make flutes mm -hmm. and other instruments because it was a very fine bamboo. They took it back to the lab, and when they perfected the bulb with this bamboo, they were able to get not 100 hours like before, but over 1,200 hours wow. before it would burn out. Wow. And that is really what launched the Edison light bulb. And for the next 10 years, everybody would shave or do whatever they're doing with bamboo light, How which fun. 
made possible by fishing. Fishing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't you think that's significant? Yes, I love fishing. Okay, so now Edison had a light bulb, but what good is a light bulb if there's no electricity? There were no power plants. Mm. There were no electrical wires outside. All they had was batteries. Batteries would go out pretty fast with a light bulb, so he had to make a generator. And that brings up one of the real heroes of science, a guy by the name of, you, you probably think I'm going to say Michelangelo. <laughs> Did you know that Michelangelo put a tarpon or a silver king on the Sistine Chapel? No, I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> Just an interesting fact. <laughs> we should I do all, like Michelangelo. Yeah, well, but this is another Michael. This is Michael Faraday. Uh, I'd like to show you a picture of Michael Faraday. Okay. Michael Faraday was a Brit. Uh, he lived in England. He was a very, very great scientist. And about 50 years before Edison made his light bulb, uh, Michael Faraday, who was a chemist, a very accomplished chemist, he did a lot of things in chemistry. He was the guy that isolated benzene and discovered it. He did many things. But um, he became interested in electricity. And so he did a very famous experiment where he studied that if you have a magnet and you run the magnet across a wire, that it will push electrons down the wire. Now I want to bring on this little meter so you can see it here. This meter is hooked up to my wire. And if you look, can you see it? Just swiggle a little bit when I string across it. It's just a little teeny tweak. Kind of hard to see, but it's there. And I'd like you to think about this a minute and the science behind it. Inside a conductor like copper or aluminum, something that conducts electricity, there are atoms that have electrons in their outer shell that can move from one atom to the other. And the magnetic field pushes those atoms down the wire. And as it pushes one down the wire, then it pushes the next one, the next one, the next one. And finally, the electricity comes out the other end of the wire. And you can use it for things like running, powering a light bulb or running a motor or whatever. I have a little demonstration here that kind of shows this. These are some balls hanging from little strings. And they illustrate a real interesting principle. Let's suppose for this experiment as an object lesson that these little balls were electrons. Imagine electrons. And if I swing one of these electrons, it'll hit the others. And what will happen? There's energy that is created by me lifting the ball up, right? Mm -hmm. And when I let it go, that energy goes down into here. It's transferred into the ball next to it, which transfers it to the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one, and finally ends up in the outside one. Let's watch. And away it goes. So just imagine one electron pushes the next one, the next one, the next one down the wire. They just keep pushing the electrons down until the end. Uh, off point a little bit, but for those of you that are all into alternating current, this is how it works. It goes back and forth like that. And the little light bulbs in the middle gets lit up one way and then gets lit up the other way and the other way. And that's how our things work today. Pretty cool, huh? Mm -hmm. All right. She's not impressed. I love it. What, what if? Not true. What if we did two <laughs> electrons at once? Then what would happen? It's just mesmerizing, isn't it? Not? So now it makes two flip, doesn't it? What would three do? 
I have no idea. Show me. Yes, you do. It would make three go. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? And is it so, not called Newton's Cradle? This is called Newton's Cradle. Mm -hmm. I like Newton. Mm -hmm. Conservation of energy. It mm -hmm. is a very neat thing. But it also illustrates the idea of electrons being forced down the wire by cutting a magnetic field. And you can make the amount of power this generates. I'm actually generating electricity, which is showing up on the meter, just by pushing the magnetic field over the wire. See how simple that is? But if you want more energy to come out, then you curve the wire into a coil. And if you put a lot of windings on a coil, then you get something like I have right here. Can you see this coil? Mm -hmm. All these pretty windings. And when I push this thing next to that coil, let's see what happens to the meter. Here we go. Okay. Now it's a big thing. And you notice the faster I do it, the fat or the higher that it goes. It turns out the amount of energy is a function of how many coils there are, how strong the magnet is, and how fast I move it. And those three things make up what's called Faraday's Law. And Faraday's Law is the basis of a lot of our modern physics. So he did a real neat thing. Well, Edison had Faraday's Law, and he knew about it. And so he had this light bulb, but he needed electricity. So Newton invented a generator. Newton did? No. No. wasn't Newton, but oh. good guess. <laughs> and it wasn't Michelangelo either. No, oh, it was Tomas the Fisherman. <laughs> Tomas the Fisherman. Tomas Edison Fisherman. <laughs> and I'd like to show you a picture of his generator, which was also called a dynamo. Those two things standing up are magnets. And down at the bottom of the magnets, they come together, and there is, in between them, a coil that is spinning. And the coil spinning inside that magnetic field generates the electricity. So you use steam from burning coal or something, or you use water, whatever you want to, to turn the dynamo. And that then generates electricity, goes through the wire, and runs the light bulbs. That's neat. It is neat. And this was the, uh, the generator that Edison had the very early part of the 1880s. He very quickly came up with some bigger ones that did more amazing and neat things. And generators just kind of exploded. In the next 10 years, there were all kinds of people making generators, and cities were lighting up all over the world. Uh, after about 10 years, the filament made out of bamboo was replaced by a filament made out of tungsten. That's like our tungsten light bulbs, which are still sold in our stores today. Edison knew that tungsten was a good choice, but they didn't have any technology to be able to fabricate the wires he needed. That came later, about 10 years later. And so Edison actually started making tungsten light bulbs when that was possible. And of course now, if light bulbs only last 1,200 hours, we'd be very unhappy, wouldn't we? <laughs> light bulbs last longer and longer, but the new LED bulbs that don't have a filament, they work on a whole different principle, they can last for 20 years. And so that's kind of an exciting development, isn't it? Well, now, um, if we get back to the science here for just a minute. Of course. Would that be all right with you? Getting back to the science, which, of course, is the fish. 
Okay, I'm in. <laughs> I, I just like to say that I have a, a favorite fishing story that I, I just love to tell. And it's about uh, <clears throat> a very good friend of mine. I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I will say that there is some question of her planet of origin. <laughs> Who might that be? <laughs> not going to say. Oh, no names. Anyway, she loves to fish. I do. She loves to I fish. Do. And the fishing stories I could tell. That and we won't tell, right? Okay, we could tell some <laughs> of them. All right, so we had a, um, an academy fishing trip because, you know, everyone should learn from fish. They should. Fishing is important. So we, we went on a fishing trip down to Branson, Missouri, not far from here, where we fish for trout. And, you know, there's some things you have to learn to fish for trout, certain things you have to do. Well, this certain person, this is a very true story, we got down there. She walked right out in the water. Okay, come on. <laughs> in high hills. It was still kind of dark. It was early dawn. Sun hadn't come up yet. She claimed she couldn't see the water. I couldn't see the water. <laughs> but she walked out in the it was water. cold. And I thought, you're going to scare the fish away. And no, she immediately you caught that. one. You told me. She immediately <laughs> caught a fish. It's true. I did. They liked my scent. And that has stumped me to this very day. But at any rate, so here's how the story goes. So, and, and this is a story. Okay, we're Story ready. means we can fudge on the details okay. a little bit. But uh, in this particular story, she was out fishing. She caught a lot of nice fish, and she was coming in her little boat, and the game warden saw her, and he went over, hi, how was your day? And I was doing good. I caught some fish, and she pulled back the canvas cover, and the boat was full of the biggest, most beautiful trout the game warden had ever seen. And he said, how in the world did you catch this fish? You're over your limit. You know that you can only catch so many a day, depending on the, the laws of the state where you're fishing. He said, you've got too many fish. And she could tell, OK, here comes a ticket, because game wardens give tickets for violating fish and game regulations. But she's fast. She's really <laughs> fast, as you saw. And she said, I'll tell you what, if we could just kind of forget to count these, wouldn't you like to know how I caught so many big, beautiful fish? And he said, oh, I'd love to know that. She says, well, come back tomorrow and just give me a break this time, and I will teach you my secret. So the next day, he came, and he brought his boss, the chief of game wardens. <laughs> and here came this suspicious person whose name cannot be disclosed. Suspicious person. And they got in the little boat, the game warden, the game warden's boss, and the unidentified person. And they went out in the water. The game warden and his boss both brought fishing poles. They had worms. They had bait. They had power bait. They had cheese. They had a lot of baits that had been proven to work. And they went out there. But all this unknown person had was a lunch pail. No fishing pole, just a lunch pail. But they got out in the water. Game warden and his boss were casting their, their lines out. But the suspicious person opened the lunch pail 
and pulled out a concealed sandwich. <laughs> I ate it. Pulled out a second concealed sandwich. Oh my gosh. And the game warden is just spellbound. How does she catch these fish? And then finally, all through, tidy up. Wow. Then she reached down in the bottom of the lunch pill and pulled out a large red stick of dynamite. Now some of you know that dynamite makes big explosions and they make shock waves and shock waves can really stun fish for a little while. She lit the fuse. Game Warden's eyes are getting about this big. She threw the dynamite out in the water. <laughs> big wave almost tipped the boat over. And then the fish all started floating to the top. I said, there's a big one, get that one. The game warden was so upset. I mean, this guy lost his cool. But that was nothing compared to his boss. <laughs> We're going to lock you up. You will never see the light of day. What in the world do you think you're doing? And he got louder and louder, and she was completely unfazed. I was social. <laughs> yes, she was social. <laughs> so, as the agitation grew louder and louder and louder, without saying a word, she reached into her tackle box and pulled out a second stick of dynamite, lit the fuse, and they're getting really upset now. And as the fuse started burning down, she handed the stick of dynamite to the game warden's boss. And he took it, and she says, now, you going to talk or fish? <laughs> what do you think he did? I think he fished. He fished, yes, exactly. Well, that's called fishing with dynamite. The interesting thing about the fish story is the rest of the story with Thomas Edison because he did love to fish. And when he was down in Florida, he would go fishing for an hour every single day. True story. That's not a story. It's actually accurate. An hour every single day he would go fishing. And he would never catch a fish. And so finally, one of his people there said, uh, why are you so avid about fishing when you never catch a fish? And Edison said, well, the reason I never catch a fish is because I don't use any bait. <laughs> okay, he said, why would you fish if you don't use bait? And I want to read you the exact quote of his answer. I really never caught any fish because I've never used any bait. And then he said, why in the world would you fish without bait? Edison's answer, because when you fish without bait, people don't bother you and neither do the fish. <laughs> it provides me my best time to think. And I think that is a very interesting observation. You know, we need to spend time thinking. And so I guess the fish were kind of a nuisance 
when he was trying to concentrate on something he was unraveling. But isn't it fascinating that he was able to do that and find the relaxation and the freedom from other distractions? So fishing is, in my opinion, a very important part of science, and that's why I'm very faithful <laughs> in doing science often. I really enjoy fishing. I will tell you that his, his big thing was to catch one of these silver kings. And he worked for a long time and had a very hard time catching that fish, but he was finally able to. Of course, Charles out caught him. Yeah. Well, my thing is I wanted to catch a trout on a fly. A fly is a, a lure that is tied on a hook. It's, they use feathers and hair and all kinds of things, and they make it look like an insect and use this artificial fly to go fly fishing. There, for those of you that are still just getting ready to learn science, there's a special kind of fishing pole for fly fishing. You pull the line out and you flip it back and forth and you have line that's weighted so that you can flip it way out there and when you get good at it, you can put that fly anywhere you want. How you put the fly on the water is called presentation. How you present the fly to the fish. See, I know all about this in theory. <laughs> but the dream, the goal, is to catch a, a trout with a fly. So I go down and I buy a whole box full of flies, different colors, different kinds. I take them out on Lake Tanicomo, which is my favorite fishing place here in Missouri. Beautiful fish. And so then I get my little fishing pole, put a worm, cast it out set it down on the boat, then I get my expensive fly rod. <laughs> and I would fly fish for about five minutes, and then I'd pull in a fish on my worm. <laughs> I think I was doing something wrong. So, came home very frustrated, bought two books on how to fly fish, read them. Went and tried it again. Good thing I had the worms. <laughs> this can be very frustrating. It's a lot like a scientific experiment. They just don't go the way you think they're supposed to. It's always the hard way and you have to persevere. So while I was fishing, I had lots of time to think and I finally got the breakthrough idea. I'm going to go over to the fish hatchery there's a commercial fish hatchery where they have a big pond there and the fish are so thick, they're just everywhere. And I know I can catch a fish there with a fly. Of course, you have to pay for the fish you catch by the pound, but at least I can catch a fish with a fly. So I went over there and there are fish everywhere. I can see them all. And they let my fly go down and I watch them. They just, like they didn't even see it. So I tried a different fly. I tried everything. It is really frustrating when you cannot catch a fish at a fish ashtray with a fly. <laughs> well, finally it was time to go, and I wasn't gonna go without a fish, so I went over to the guy that ran the place, and I said, you've got those poles you let people borrow? Um, when people come to pay to fish, 
what do they use for bait with your poles? And he said, oh, you don't need bait, just a blank hook. The fish will bite a bear hook? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I took my fly off, put just a bear hook on, <laughs> got a fish. That's kind of a sad story. So, no, no, it's an unfinished story because okay. this is where we're at right now. Oh, okay. We still haven't caught the fish with a fly. I'm glad you said we because I want to learn how to do this too. I think... Toes in the water, one of the best ways. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> that one was. I true. tried that, it didn't work <laughs> for me. But I think I had the wrong kind of perfume. Just or my whatever. Essence. Yeah. But anyway, fishing is, is really a special thing for me. And different people have their different things. But I think the point here is that we do need to take time think. I do. And we sometimes are charging around too much and not really taking time to just stop and think. You remember Thomas Edison's student that he mentored, Bill Lear, who was my mentor, telling us, you through me, that the reason that most people don't achieve their goals is because they don't know what they are. They haven't taken the time to think and to think about what they're doing. While you're doing a cellus, while you're developing all those cutting edge tools to be able to change the world, take just a few minutes to think about what you would like to do during your lifetime. If you can make real goals, chances are you can achieve them. If you don't make real goals, there's no chances you will never achieve them. <laughs> they won't just happen. They say what man can conceive and believe he can achieve. And when I see a 747 airplane, those giant airplanes, which I love, by the way, lumber down the runway, and then they slowly lift off into the air, I think, what a miracle. The hundreds of thousands of scientists that have contributed the little pieces of technology that made that possible are heroes to me. And I'm guessing most of them were fishermen. <laughs> and I'm also guessing none of them probably know how to catch fish with flies. <laughs> if you really want to earn my respect, catch a trout with an artificial fly, then I'll respect you. <laughs> that is permission to go do it. Thank you. <laughs> that is a challenge. Do you know across the road challenge accepted. from the Acellus Tower here, we have two little ponds. And around the ponds, there is a jogging track where people spend their lives running around. <laughs> and <laughs> someone should tell them, guess what? This trail doesn't go anywhere. It's the same trail. <laughs> they just run around and around. around. But just a couple of weeks ago, we, we did an experiment. We, we tried fishing in the ponds, and we got to bite almost every cast, I'm told. Students did. I wonder if those fish know about flies. I'll find out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Study hard and uh, fish every time you get a chance. <laughs>